So this is Jonathan Jones here. Ira has been, uh, well, let's say spiritually undressing me. How's that? He's <laughs> dug the grave uh, because I wear a tie in church and we're both working on it. I, I think Ira out of this may end up owing me a Hawaiian shirt, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, I, I want you to finish your thought, but as you do, I also want to ask you a question and then you can be done when you're ready. Could it be said of the church, the best way to gauge if it's a healthy church is to look at our children. You can address that at the very end. A, how we treat them, what they're allowed to do and not do. Yada, 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 okay? Okay. So you can maybe address that at the end, but you, right. were, you were telling us. So, so we're, I, was talking about, I was talking about another reason why sometimes the suit is problematic. So, but let me back up and, and try to smash one other, other, you know, knock over a vase on my way through the China shop. Okay. What's one of the dynamics of how our church culture in, here in America and the West has evolved and is, again, it's this weird hybrid. Sunday morning, most churches have, if they have a church sign, they put the Sunday morning service on it. Okay. In the old days, and some churches probably still do this, a lot of churches may still do this, um, every week the, the newspaper listed all the churches and their service times. Mm -hmm. They oftentimes had a section. Right. And, and back when the, there was more churches, there was whole pages where you sure. could find, because you published those. Nowadays, papers are kind of fading, uh, but most of us, a lot of us have websites, if not maybe a Facebook page, and we put our times on there. Okay. We encourage people to invite, hey, you should invite people to church. You know, everybody ought to go to Sunday school. Right. So we, it's a public service. Right. That's why we put on the sign, because it's a public service. Mm -hmm. Officially, unfortunately, for most of our churches, if the public ever shows up, they're going to feel incredibly uncomfortable mm -hmm. And depending on who in the public shows up, we may feel very uncomfortable right. because when it comes to how we think about that Sunday morning service, it is not for the public. It's for us. Right. And a lot of, a lot of uh, the people who have been in the church a long time and are leaders, either officially or unofficial, you know, their criteria for what makes a good sermon is what they got out of it mm -hmm. because the sermon is for them. Mm -hmm. And, an, and a, a minister that caters to the public too much may find themselves in hot water and the music the music is got to be the sacred music that we hold dear and our language is usually very exclusive to the fact that the public is not going to understand it so we want the public there but we do not act like we want the public there mm -hmm. such so much so especially as the public has become increasingly secular mm -hmm. so that they are not going to be conversant in what our culture is in the church we are doing nothing to make the public want to show up again if they ever wandered in in the first place right. and yet we still persist in considering it a public service mm -hmm. and what we really for many of our churches they really need to take the number take the times off the sign and quit advertising because it's just for insiders right and the public really shouldn't come. So having said that, that's a big deal because we have yeah. treated it like a public service mm -hmm. officially. And yet none of our conduct is aimed primarily at welcoming the public and oftentimes is um, detrimental mm -hmm. 
to having the public there. Right. So that brings us to dress. So especially these days, and especially like in my context, where I'm in Western Maine, where you have farmers, tradesmen, lumberjacks, mm -hmm. paper mill workers. Yeah. None of these people are business people. Mm -hmm. They might own a tie, maybe, but most of them don't even own a tie. Mm -hmm. They don't own a suit and they don't go to places where that's the dress. And so that's who they are. Now we can say, well, but we're not supposed to lower ourselves to the world's standards. Okay, well, that sounds cool. That sounds very spiritual. But when, when somebody who's not of our culture, not of church culture, maybe completely unchurched because they didn't grow up in it, their parents didn't grow up in it, mm -hmm. we finally, for some, something went wrong and they actually decided to show up. Whoa. And they walk into the building. They are, they're uneasy because they're on foreign soil. They're going to look to see if they belong. Are they wanted there? Mm -hmm. What will tell them this? And this is the thing that I was confronted with and it caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. What a church values, it will promote. Mm -hmm. What a church promotes, it puts on the platform. Mm -hmm. So a new person coming in will look to the platform. And if nobody on the platform looks like them, they are not valued by the church. Right. And that's a very uncomfortable statement. Because right. if they don't own a suit and everyone on the platform is dressed up and in a suit, then you are telling the new person, you are not valuable to us and do not belong here unless you conform. Go buy a suit, come back, and then we will find you valuable. Right. Now, saying it that way, that's horrific. And right. that does not reflect, I've never met a churchgoer that, that that would, what I just said, would represent their heart. No, but, their, but our actions. But that is right. what is conveyed visually mm -hmm. because we have said, well, and, and, it, and, and it is what we said. Mm -hmm. We didn't know we were saying it, but what did we say? Well, if you're going to be on the platform, because I, I remember when I was younger at this, when I would ask somebody to do something ahead of time, like I said, hey, would you read scripture? Would you do this? They came dressed up that week because they were going to be up front. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell them to, and it wasn't a rule. It was an unspoken rule. It was just understood. If you're going to be up front, there was a higher, a higher standard, mm -hmm. and that standard was represented by how you dress, right. which means that which is most valued has to look this way. And so if you come in and you don't know our culture, what you do learn pretty quick is you don't fit in. And that really, it's hard to get further away from Jesus than that. Right. And so that's part of the other reason, because you come in and you see, well, who's the weird guy up front? Now we're getting somewhere. Because now it's not, and so, so I'll tell you a funny story with that. So we had a new couple start coming. They're older than me. Well, they're probably a little older than me. Late 50s, early 60s. They are they're from, they're from the West Coast or Florida, I forget which. They're from away. They are both retired Boeing engineers. Brilliant. In their home, they have pictures of satellites that they helped build and put into orbit. Wow. These guys are brilliant and they're really nice. And they have had some little exposure. The, the wife's 
primary exposure is um, she likes the TV preachers. So she likes Creflo Dollar and Joe Osteen, all those guys, because that's what she, you know, that's been her interface. And and he, he's a scientist, engineer. He said there has to be a God because the odds against uh, random evolution are, the, the mathematical odds are beyond the possible. Mm-hmm. And so they, they both become Christians. Awesome. So they needed to find a church. And because we have interfaced with the community, they appeared at our door. And this year I baptized both of them. Amen. And they are growing in the Lord. Praise God. And guess what the, the man now wears to church every Sunday? He wears a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> he wears a Hawaiian shirt. He wears yeah. a Hawaiian shirt. Because you wear Because I wear a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. But as he is learning what it means to come to Christ, mm-hmm. even how I dress is part of that discipleship mm-hmm. of what that means. Sure. And as someone who comes out of a very different world, yeah. it's kind of all purpose. He would not have been uncomfortable with the suit because he could, but he, but I other people would, right? Yeah. But he, it wouldn't have been a barrier for him. But the first time he showed up, that's not how he dresses now. Right. He's retired, and my guess is, as an engineer, I don't think he wore a suit to the office anyway. Probably. I don't think that's how the en- engineers worked. I think they're probably maybe quite more whatever they look like. They're, mm-hmm. These are not people that think first and foremost about how they look. I mean, they're not right. slovenly at all. They're very. These are wonderful people. Um, but to think through, wait. If this is if this is just us, mm-hmm. then that's great. But if it's not just us, especially in a culture that do, does our community come in, mm-hmm. the people that we would want desperately to come, would they come in and feel lost because our gathering that we yeah. said was for them was so alien yeah. that it got in the way of us communicating effectively Jesus. And, and so that's another, and that's very, that was very convicting for me because yeah. he said, he, he, the, my coach said, people are going to look to see if they're on the platform. Right. And so every week, and so I'll use this to get to your other thing. So every week as part of the service, we have a children's message. Yeah. And the children come up and they sit on the platform and I get down on the floor mm-hmm. and I spend a few minutes with them. And the rest of the church just has to wait because this is their time and I talk with them and sometimes I play a little game with them and we spend time with them and I just talk to them. And when I first started doing it, I just did it because I thought it would be a cute thing to do. I did not understand how important it was. Mm -hmm. And then one of our little girls, who's now out of high school, but at this point she was like three, she one day was riding with her grandfather, who was one of my elders. Mm-hmm. And she said, Grampy, Pastor Ira really loves us. As kids just randomly will say things. And he was amused. And he goes, well, yes, he does. But why do you think that? What, what has led to this conclusion? Mm-hmm. He talks to us every week. Mm-hmm. And so he comes back and tells me this story, and I'm blown away because I just thought I'm doing a cute children's story. I'm just giving them a little bit of fun. Yeah. But what she came away with was, I am loved. Right. And so I started realizing that I better take this even more. I mean, it wasn't that I was taking it unseriously, but I had not understood the depth of this time. And then as we had new people coming into church, including 
underchurched or unchurched who mm-hmm. were looking to they had that God co- created a need in their life mm-hmm. he, he's calling people to himself we don't need to go get them I can't keep up with the ones coming through the door and they would say but they would say again and again we love what you do with the kids mm-hmm. and because and I, what I just kept telling our people the kids are the kids of the, this is they're the church now they are not the church later. This is not your church and they're visiting. Right. This is their church. Mm-hmm. And if it's not their church now, it will never be their church. Right. I mean, so then I just baptized a, a nine-year-old this year. Okay. And I asked her, why do you, you know, first we talked about her salvation and stuff. And I said, now, why, what do you like about Bean's Corner? What do you like about the church? And she says, well, because here you can be yourself. And then she stopped and she tilted her head and she goes, well, actually, I guess you can be yourself anywhere. But here... You can be yourself extra. And I was ready to cry because I'm like, okay, here's a Mm nine-year-old whose perception of coming into the community of faith is I can be myself more. So she's not been taught that she's got to try to fake it till she makes it, that Mm -hmm. she's got to try to live up to some external standard. Mm -hmm. She's been taught that she's loved and that that sense Mm -hmm. led her to want to be baptized. Not as a checkbox on the road to righteousness, mm-hmm. but as a response to being loved by God and His church. And mm-hmm. and so one of the other, so then one of the other things we did. This I'll, I'll finish with this. I guess I'm never finished. I just keep talking. But years ago, one of the things that we talk about in conservative churches, especially, is a sense of entitlement by our people. Right. People are have a consumer mindset. Right. And we worry about that. It bothers us. They come and say, what can I get out of it? And we want people to serve more and be less consumers and more contributors. Mm-hmm. And I said to my children's ministry people, I said, here's a radical thought I've been playing with. I'm getting convicted. I said, I'm thinking that this is our fault. I said, think about what we do. I said, a baby's born. We're so excited. So we create a nursery, which I think is a good thing to do. Everything we do, I think, is good. I said, but we say, okay. And then they become children, and we create children's ministry for them, and Sunday school, and VBS, and then and then they get older, and so then we give them youth group. And I said, we spend, I said, because we don't want to lose our kids, and we want our kids to love Jesus. So we bend over backwards to minister to them and give them what they need. And so we spend 18 years intensely providing them with whatever they need so that they will love Jesus. And then they graduate and they walk into church and say, so what are you going to do for me now? And we go, why are you such a consumer? Right. Why do you think church is all about you? Why do you think we're here just to serve you? Well, because we just spent 18 years teaching you that's what we do. And we do it for all the right reasons because we don't want to lose them. But we wondered, how did we raise these consumers? Right. Well, your whole thing was to take care of them, which I'm not saying is bad, but is twisting them. So I said, so how do we, I said, so now I said, now I've diagnosed it. I don't know how to fix it. Right. And my people came up with an idea that has blown me away. Once a month, and we've been doing it for over a decade now. Once a month is card Sunday Mm -hmm. during children's church. We have people who come in who don't do children's ministry otherwise, who do card Sunday. These are, they're usually women and they have totes of craft stuff at home. Mm -hmm. And they bring their totes in and the kids make cards. Mm -hmm. And the care ministry and our leaders who know who 
we're praying for, so-and-so, pray for my Uncle Bill, whatever. They put the names of the people who need prayer, who are sick, fighting cancer. They put the names on the wall, on the whiteboard, and then the kids can choose who to make cards for. And oftentimes, some kids make two or three cards. And then when the cards are done, they collect them, and then our administration mails them or delivers them. Amen. So I'm going to get a little emotional. So this is nice, and now they're giving. Mm-hmm. So back, oh, eight, nine, ten years ago, one of my elders, his brother, he, my elder raised, was raised Catholic, a very Catholic family. He came to know the Lord. The rest of his family stayed Catholic and was not interested in being reached. His brother, who he was very close to, who has died in the world Catholic, uh, developed a brain tumor, very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, Eventually, it proved fatal, but it was very serious, and he was going to have to have brain surgery. So obviously, he was on the prayer list. So the kids made cards. One Sunday morning, he and his wife and two daughters walk into church. I'd never met him. I knew who he was, especially because this is a man who's obviously just had brain surgery because he physically... And I'm just blown away that he's in church, in a Baptist church. Catholics don't come to our Baptist church. Right. So I shook his hand and I said, oh, it's so good to see you. We've been praying for you. And he said, glad to be here. I just needed to ask you, can I speak during the service? I said, sure. I'm like, I don't know what is happening here, but God is doing something. So I called attention. I said, we've all been praying for Jay. Jay is here this morning. And Jay would like to say something. And he got up and he said, I wanted to thank the children for sending me cards. Yeah. And our kids, our three to five and seven-year-olds, brought Jay to church. No adult could do that. If, we, if I had made a card for Jay, yeah, he, he wouldn't have cared. But something about the heart of a child who just in innocence loves, yeah. Jay came to know Christ. Amen. Jay's Catholic sister is a member of our church now. Yeah, through the kids. Because the kids made cards. Mm-hmm. And this has happened again and again. Mm-hmm. Where, and so, and so we, we reflect this back to the kids. And so how they're going to receive it, they'll receive on a child's level. But the kids come to a, a childlike understanding of that they have been essential to the work of the church. Yeah. They are not extras. They are not being entertained. They are participants yeah. in the gospel work of the ministry Amen. in ways that not just are nice, but that are we cannot recreate it as adults. Right. They have a ministry that I can't have. Amen. And that's that's it. How, you know, how does that change a kid's expression of the church of, I have to wait till I'm 18? Yeah, to be a member, but to be used of God? No, you can. And so I tell the kids, there are things you can do that I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not better than you. I'm not a better minister than you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's not just that the health of our church is reflected in how we treat them. It's reflected in how do they understand their current role. Do they have a role in the church beyond attending? Amen. And and does the church see themselves as a redemptive body where even the children are called? Amen. 
and find ways to do it. And I didn't, I didn't come up with it. I can't claim credit. But for now, over a decade, it's been... So last Sunday, we have this lady who comes to church now. And I think she was already a believer. But Sunday morning, during the, during the testimony time, she, discussion time, she said, before I say what I'm going to say, I just want to thank the children. Hmm. They sent me cards because she just awesome. was recently ill. And I'm like, there it is again. Yeah. And, and so I think that to kind of bring this all around, as we re-examine the culture we've created, it, it might have served its purpose when it was created, but the culture it was created in doesn't exist. And we are sometimes trying to preserve our bubble of that culture in ways that now alienate us mm-hmm. from our 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 field, mm-hmm. the, the the harvest field, yeah. and and we are we are inhibiting, mm-hmm. and we say, well, it's because the the gospel is fool, the you know the, the the cross is foolishness. Well, it is, but they're not reacting to the foolishness of the cross. They're reacting to the alienness of our chosen culture, right. that is not unbiblical but is not biblical either it is just a thing and 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 because we because we're in love with how we've done it mm-hmm. and it's because of how we came to it right we hold on to these things with an affection that is understandable but i do not think is permissible right. i think it's selfish i think what, what what you have done here is when you decide to uh, write your book i'll, I'll maybe i could <laughs> add a couple of chapters um but uh, no, seriously, Ira, thank you. I know you have, Ira's getting ready to actually go visit his mother. And uh, that's a, a great example of a son loving a father, you know, a son loving his mother and honoring her. I, you know, I'm thinking through a couple of things. So, and then we'll end with this for now. And maybe we'll have part 87 and 88 someday or whatever else. Um, I Two words come to mind, incarnation and illustration. So... And maybe uh, since uh, I'm doing the eyes, uh, invertation, inverting. So it's almost <laughs> like we got the incarnation in the culture correct, but we got it wrong in the church. So, you know, like, for instance, in, in my case, I'm not saying Sunday I'm not going to wear a tie. But it's, and I don't, I don't necessarily say you're saying that I shouldn't. But right. the point being, like, the reason behind why I'm doing it is a fantastic question Am I, Sunday, I'll use me, am I showing you as an unsaved person the incarnation of Jesus when Jesus didn't even wear a tie? You know, as an example, if that's the standard. And then, you know, it, it makes me think about why I just got done doing the moxie chugging contest and the whoopie pies. It's exactly what you're saying because I want to incarnate in the community, but have I reflected that in my church? Uh, the, you know, the next one would be, what is the illustration then of what incarnation looks like, right? right? And what you're saying is, I don't think you would ever say that it has to look like a Hawaiian shirt, but it, but I should never say it has to look like a tie. And, right. and so the point being, right? right am, I, am I getting? Am I smelling well, what you're cooking? Well, and, and, up what well, you're and maybe now? maybe take it just taking what you're saying and 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 expressing it maybe even just a little different way. You go into the community to, to incarnate Christ. And they are going to experience Christ through your incarnation. And that incarnation is designed to lead them to Jesus and to teach them about who Jesus is. And so right. you do things with them. Right. You are not alien to them so that Jesus will not be alien because Jesus is God becoming like us. God, he became human. Right. And, and Hebrews says he had to, otherwise he couldn't save us. He had to become one of us. 
And so we become one of them, not conforming to a sinful culture, but we come in and live in the sinful culture. Paul said to, to the uncircumcised, I became as one uncircumcised, though not uncircumcised myself. So then the, the, the tricky danger is, so I, you meet me, I'm Bob, and you meet me at the Mo, Mo, Moxie Chugging Festival, and I'm impressed, and I'm like, wow, he's not like any pastor I ever met. And, and, and that very defiance of my expectation draws me to you because I already have a picture of what a pastor is, and it's, it has never led me into church. Right. But you're not like that. Wow, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really interested. And wow, he's so down to earth, and he's so real, and he's just like me. And so after a few encounters, maybe now I'm motivated to go to church. And if I go to church and suddenly at church, you revert to the mold. Right. Then does that mean with me it was an act? Right. Is this the real you? Mm -hmm. But if I walk into church and it's still the same guy, then, oh, okay. So it's not, you weren't putting on something for me. Mm -hmm. It was truly you. And so when, when people meet me, out in the world, when they bump into me at church, I want them to experience no difference. Right. Because I am not different on Sundays, and that goes right down to how I dress. Right. Because I'm not dressing down for you, but then once you get me in the right mode, then obviously God wants something different. Well, now I've that's false advertising. I baited right. and switched you. When you meet me on Sunday, I'm not going to talk different. If you watch my sermons, I talk just like I'm talking right now. Right. I don't suddenly take a different tone. Right. I and, and, and I think that's why so many pastors' kids struggle because they have watched both. Right, yeah. And the dad at home is not the dad. And my kids will tell you, oh, yeah, dad at home and dad at church is the same guy. Weird and cringy both places. <laughs> but but hopefully real. Yeah. yeah and and I, so I think that is, and it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that we can't dress different. Sure, but sure. I think, again, I think the temptation is that if we don't match who right. we've been, right. that a person who doesn't understand is going to pay way more attention to that than we want to. Yeah. So, so again, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a, so I started wearing the Hawaiian shirt working at Titka Mountain in the commissary. Oh, okay. Because as a youth pastor, I always like to be colorful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I go there to have a lot of fun. And some people know I'm a pastor. And I am definitely, because of the American Christian culture now, the world has a, a fairly negative connotation to pastors. Yeah. So I try not to let people know I am until they've gotten to know me. So I am not shaped, their perception is not shaped by my title mm-hmm. before they get to be shaped by me. And then, if they already know, I try to find ways, since I can't sit down and talk to them yet, I try to find ways to convey that I am not what you expect. Mm-hmm. Because when I am not what you expect, you're going to ask questions. Right. And there's my opportunity. Yeah. So I started wearing the Hawaiian shirt there. <clears throat> and then, during COVID and stuff, I'm like, so how come I don't wear it at church? <laughs> Amen. And it became my calling card. I love it. And so now I wear it at church, but didn't start at church. It started out in the right. community. Which is probably where it should be. And you know, as, <laughs> as we close, the, the verse I think of, the passage that comes to mind is Paul in in First uh, Corinthians 9, when he's talking about the gospel, you know, and, and he's talking to a really messed up church. Fair? Oh, I mean, yeah. as bad as it gets. 
Probably today we couldn't even find some quite as bad as Corinth. Yeah, right. Although maybe a few. Well, maybe. They're, know, they're but, a rough shape. Um, but in the midst of all that, he says, look, I by all means have made myself, you know, to, you know, if you will, to the rich, the rich, the poor, the poor, the middle class, the middle class. And Paul's point is that I might by all means save some. So as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking to myself, in some ways we got it right out in the culture, but not in the church. And so what we've got to do in our churches is we've got to say, okay, we've got to reflect what we, what we got mostly right maybe out there. Yeah, and there's some room for improvement. We got to do the change in here, you yep. know? And so anyway, there, there's some thoughts for next time. Ira, thank you. Any other final words? Oh, no. I'll just Not for now. Me. You don't want to sing a song or anything? <laughs> no. no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, for Northeast by Midwest, from Camp Berea, this is Jonathan Jones and Ira. All right. God bless you.